Okay, so um, so I just read a little bit of the information that Jody gave me yeah. about you, but um, I need to fill in the gaps, obviously. Yeah, and, um, of course. But I was thinking you sound exactly like the kind of person I love to talk to because you're obviously really passionate about what you do, and then you've made totally. that work into. Um, a slightly different scenario from what maybe you thought, but that it's yes, allowing 100%. that a lot more. Yeah, I still get that creative expression, but yeah, it's definitely not what I thought I was going to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> so I kind of got a bit hazy on the details of. Mm. Um, so you were 25 when you were in Paris, the, in Paris, the Coil Yeah, Blue. so I finished school and uh, I worked for a guy called Pete Fogg who owns Cappy Mineral okay. Water. Yeah. And he used to own the Observatory Cafe. Okay. And he used to basically do massive functions out of there, a cafe out of there, but like on a large scale. It's really big. It's the one that used to be in the Botanical Gardens. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Botanic Gardens. Yeah. Because I get sensitive about that. Yeah, my mum um, tells me I'm saying that wrong as well. It's funny, isn't it? People get real yeah. sticklers for it. But it's like, how did that happen? Um, how did we get that? So, well, how do so many people get that so wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. So then um, I did uni while I was at... Um, working so I did full-time uni and pretty much full-time uh working okay by just like just going like that and balancing it off and and I only did it because I wanted to be a chef but my parents were like you have to go to uni and I was like cool so so did you do something that's I did a bachelor of arts degree nice just to you know like it was fun it was kind of like sitting in uni just like listening to these people talk about fascinating subjects like I did women's studies I did the um, witchcraft in the European mind like things that were bizarre almost yeah. because it was like maybe something will twig and then I'll decide not to be a chef yeah um, and it didn't so you then, always knew you wanted to be you yeah, from when you were yeah, little as well yeah. yeah and I used to bake and I was terrible at it I mean I was oh, it wasn't something that came naturally I had to learn how to do it okay um, but I loved it yeah so yeah. I think the passion was great but I wouldn't have got anywhere unless like it, there was a certain moment where it just kind of tipped the other way and I was like oh okay and it clicked and I understood balancing flavors and why you put certain things together so I finished uni I then did a graduate diploma in professional writing because my parents were just really sure and I was like okay I'll do it but I was working as a as a like a commie chef for pizza at the same time so it was really funny. It was bizarre. It was like hard work though, wow. It, was, it wasn't because working felt like fun. Yeah, okay. And I was young. So, you know, when you know, you're going out all night and you're getting up and going to uni and then you're going to work and it's all fun. And you've got an endless, you know, now it's like I do one late night and I'm like, oh, I need to sleep for a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's when I was like, please, I just want to do it. And they were like, so fine, do it, whatever you want. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went to cooking school in Paris. And I did that for 12 months. And that was sort of a bizarre kind it's of... It's quite cinematic because what, what made you... Why, why, I know it's a great cooking school. Yeah. But is it because of the kind of the mythology around it? What made you go... No. a big move to go to Paris to do it. I wanted to do something drastic and a little bit aggressive. Yeah. Like I wanted to do something really out there. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, the school, it was quite a posh school. And for that reason, not everybody had my mindset. I was like isn't this awesome? Like, we are going to have the best time ever. Can you just not wait? And they were all a bit kind of like, it's for some Americans, it's a finishing school. So it's about teaching the the girls how to cook. And that I couldn't quite get past. Because no. it was like, get out of the way. What's he doing? He's making, you know, croissants. Or we're making, what are we doing today? Oh my God, we're making chicken stock. Amazing. You know, and learning about the history of it and then doing the cooking. It was great. I mm. loved it. Mm. Uh, but because, you know, not all your peers have got that mindset, it made it sort of a slightly hard, but I loved it. And then, you know, I 
just was like going like this because I was yeah. eating, <laughs> going out and spending time with French people and having such a great time. Awesome. And I did that for a year, but that was about where, when my funds ran out and I was like, I can't, I've got to go get a job. And so I had um, a friend of my fam, a family friend knew Petersham Nurseries in Petersham, in Richmond, in London. Mm. And so I went over there and my parents were sort of like, you've got about a week or two to get a job before we think you might have to just fly home and just like work out what you want to do. And I was just like, no, I'm not leaving. So then I walked into Petersham Nurseries. Is it true that you arrived there at 5am for yeah. a 9.30? I was so nervous and so <laughs> desperate for the job that it was like, I, I basically didn't sleep all night and I was so desperate because desperate for it I wanted it so much and I had no skills because I'd been at cooking school but I sort of like I would have been a great chef if it was like 1972 <laughs> and we were doing aspic jellies and like like we you, you do a whole Junior two child. weeks <laughs> yeah you do you do two weeks on aspic and it's just like like yeah. I wouldn't even do it now no. like I get it I understand the history of it now and I appreciate that but at the same time it was a little bit like do people does anyone still do it they do in Paris. They do. They'll do jellies and that kind of thing. But it's you know, no one really wants to sink their teeth into a meat jelly. No. It was more about presentation, and they still do it in some of the really big old-fashioned hotels like the Bristol and all that stuff. They still are heavy on that mm. sort of stuff. And I knew that's not how I wanted to go. But I then at that point didn't know where I wanted to go. So then I walked in with a t-shirt that said I love cooking, and I literally walked into Sky Gingell's office, and it was this poky little office, and there were two of them sitting in there. And she, I walked in, and she literally had her arms crossed, and I was just like. I'm going to just really, I'm going to really fuzzle this because I'm, I'm nervous. And she just was hilarious and asked me a few questions and I made, you know, huge broad statements about how cooking was the most important thing in the whole wide world and I'd work for free. And she was all like, listen, nobody works for free. You're not a slave. And I couldn't have worked for free because my parents were about to have a yeah. heart attack at the time. <laughs> but I was so desperate. I thought if I just show ultimate yeah. enthusiasm, she might just take pity on me. And she just said, look, you can come back. And we laughed later because she was just like, you were just completely ridiculous. Like, you were just so desperate and so needy and so, you know, wearing the I Love Cooking t-shirt. You know, it was just shocking. <laughs> but she took pity on me and she let me do a three-month... I did a three-month trial. Was it three-month? I don't know. It was a trial. And I remember thinking I fully had the job and I was like, this is wonderful. And she came up to me and said, look, I just want to let you know, we're going to let you stay. And I was all like... <gasps> I'd already, like, thought I was in. Yeah, But right. then she came and told me that, you know, you're officially in. And it was really nice. And yeah. It was great. I spent a few years there working with different um, uh, people, like Thomasina Mears, who became... She was on the first UK MasterChef. Okay. And now owns a whole pile of Mexican restaurants. Wow. Okay. Like, she's... And she's great. Just mm. this gorgeous girl that used to sit up on the pass you know, and eat sort of out of pots and pans and kind of things, like really very sort of English and different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and f sort of not sort of, you know, uptight potentially like I am. And then uh, we di used to do events with, all dif with different types of chefs. So I met Maggie Beer and she did a Verju event where she brought her Verju mm. over and we'd cook with her in the kitchen and do product tastings. And it was a very kind of natural way to cook. So are they growing their own food as well? Or no, no, some of it, not a lot. Okay. Um, because they're a greenhouse, they grow all of their own um, flowers. They do have a vegetable garden, but to feed a 100-seat restaurant, you need a lot of that. No, that's right, yeah. So, yes, to a degree. Like, I'm pretty sure we got all our herbs from there, 
but it was that was about where it sort of lay. Okay. Um, we did go foraging though. Having said that, there was an Italian guy called I think his name was Bruno, and he used to take us foraging for mushrooms. Yeah. And so the general public would buy tickets, and then as chefs, we'd be told to go and you know help them and you know cut it all down and we learned how to brush mushrooms you know to clean them you should always brush never cut and all that kind of thing so it was kind of it was like I was like a sponge that was just like yeah couldn't get enough information and how long were you there three and a half years wow yeah so yeah it was really fun it was a great experience she's a very 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 clever woman yeah, okay. Um, like next, on a completely another level to everybody else. And she now owns yeah. Spring. Okay, yeah. In London at Somerset House. And it sounds as though you had um, <clears throat> some quite strong um, women influences earlier on. Yeah. Uh, and is, it, is that indicative of um, maybe cooking overseas as opposed to here? Um... Do you know what? It, it, didn't, it didn't happen that way exactly. It actually happened in reverse. I came back here thinking I had all this amazing experience and it would be really easy to get a job and mm. I found like a very masculine underbelly mm. that because I didn't do, you know, I said to Sky, should I do an um, apprenticeship? And she was like, no, you just work with us, it's fine. Mm. And of course I got back and every single person would like cross out my name because I hadn't done an apprenticeship without whether I'd cooked for them or not. Right. So without having any kind of, you know, like it was, was a that very... you were working, was it, could that not be considered an apprenticeship? No, no it's not really. be called an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of that. So when I got back, I was very disappointed that I couldn't find work. Because I could, and I couldn't find like a kitchen that was anything like that. Like working with like six to eight women every day, it was quite amazing. Yeah, that's what I And imagine. there's a real like sensitivity to it. Yeah. And you know, we talk about buffalo mozzarella for like an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, like there was that level of detail, but I couldn't, when I got back, I went to different, you know, big Melbourne restaurants and they were just a bit like, no. Yeah. I mean, Dennis, Lucy gave me a job in the office at one point because, and I, he was like, because I needed cash and he was just like, he liked me and his head chef at the time didn't. And he was like, why don't you come work in the office to keep me busy for a bit? And I was like, okay. So I did that just to get some cash in, you know. Yeah, so okay, yeah. So that was kind of a nice gesture on his part, but it was one ten years ago. It was at least yeah, could have been eleven yeah, uh, yeah. Because I worked then, I got work at you know some different cafes, but it was a very big step down, mm. and it was a bit sort of soul destroying. I then went to Sydney, and I applied for the only job that I'd wanted since I've been back, which was for Sean Moran at Sean's Panorama, and. He had just hired before I came in, but he wanted to see me because he knew who Sky was. Mm. So I did a trial with him and was like, I would love to work here. And he sat down with me and he said, I would love more than anything to hire you, but I have got all of my staff at the same level and I've just hired right. and I can't do it. And yeah. I was just like... Yeah. I was, it was devastating for me, but it was, it was good because I learned a lot about kind of being... You know, like down at the bottom and then work your way yeah. up and then down at the bottom and work your way up. Wow. Down at the bottom. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then I met um, Nicole, who I started the business with, and she was in events more than food. And so we kind of, you know, balanced each other out a little mm-hmm. bit. So she'd do front of house, I'd do back of house. That's cool, yeah. For at least the first, I'd say, five years, it was just she and I. Yeah. Me in the back, her at the front. And then as we got bigger, the teams would get bigger, but it would still be the two of us doing it. 
amazing. And so when you start up something like that in Melbourne, which, mm. as you say, can be tricky on a few, well, you didn't say, but I'm inferring that it's tricky on a few fronts. Oh, yeah. um, how do you get your name out there and, and get people choosing you for their events? Well, we started doing a few events, you know, with very little experience. And it's very different. Catering's very different to working in a restaurant. Yeah. In a restaurant, it's like, you know, you really can only do one plate at a time. Well, or a table at a time. Yeah. Whereas this is, you know, 60 plates now. Yeah. And you have this much lead time and then some idiot stands up and starts making a speech that wasn't planned and then it's like, oh, we're going to need another half an hour on that. And you've played it up. Yeah, yeah. 30 pieces of fish and you go, okay, no problem. I'll just, you know, pop all the fish back in the oven. <laughs> yeah, so let me chat to one of the guys, well, the, the hot... <laughs> Name, so people. Down at, at the Atlantic Group, down yeah. at um, Docklands, and he yeah. was saying that they do those, that he's got into doing that sort of event stuff as well, and he was saying mm-hmm. sometimes you're in these really pokey places, they were never meant to be oh, kitchens, no. and no. you're like no, doing something out of a jewellery shop, and that's like this cool idea of dining in a jewellery shop, oh, but yeah. the chefs are putting up the food out well, the back. I, it's, it actually is a benefit to us that I am a chef, because sometimes I've got you know a few event managers that work for me, and of course... They come to me and go, so we're going to do an event here. And what they want to do is cacio de pepe. And I'm like, okay, so you want to do spaghetti in a space that's one metre by two metres with no cooking equipment and 300 guests. And how do we think that's going to work? Yeah. You know what I mean? So you sort of have to yeah. start being really practical. So we don't – like, we write the menu. That's why I don't have me- menus. No. Because I need to know what the space is yeah. and who the brand is and who the, or who the client is. Yeah, so you sit down with them and yep. – and- do bespoke every single yes. one yeah yeah so it can be wow. over the phone it can be via skype sometimes they email me enough detail and i kind of go from there yeah but my preference is to sit down especially with the brides because i've really got to get a gauge on yeah that's right what their vibe and style is because yeah. otherwise you hand them a package and they just don't know what to do with it no yeah and you kind wow. of yeah you put yourself in a difficult sort of situation yeah so yeah and um, so your 10 10. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you call them? 10 yeah. 10. My 10 10 dinners. 10 10 dinner dinners. series. That's ambitious. Well, yeah, it's a lovely it idea. Is. It's a big, it just feels a bit big. But it's huge. Big, but it's 10 dinners, but 10. Well, it's only 10 people. 10. 10. Yeah. So it's manageable. Yeah. So 10 people's very manageable for True. us. Having said that, 10 nights after doing last night is a little bit like, yeah. what on earth was I so thinking? So 10 nights in a row? No. Okay. It's two nights a week. Okay. For the whole of June and then the first week of July. Okay. But obviously you felt that um, that where you've come in the, in the journey up to now is worth celebrating. And Absolutely. No, and noting. So is it that is. what it's about? It is. It is. And it's about that, you know, I bought my business partner out at, you know, mid last year and moved on my own to sort of like take this on. And it's felt very kind of daunting, but sort of quite exciting at the same mm. time. We rebranded. We've just kind of gone really back to our roots to mm. focus mainly on food and, you know, how they represent someone or a brand. Mm. And because of that, I just wanted to celebrate the fact that we've taken this huge turn and gone right back around almost. Mm. And, you know, I wanted to do 10... You know, 10 dinners was definitely ambitious. And probably if Jodie had have said... I did say to her, do you think 10's just too much? And she's like, no. And I was like, now I'm thinking 10's a lot. 10's a lot, yeah. Yeah, but it's good. And the good thing about it is it's 10 people. And the good thing about 10 people is you've got like a captured audience that you can really explain what you do as opposed to I would have thrown the same amount of money at, 
you know, one massive cocktail party and I would have spoken to like, what, eight people? Yes. And not being able to have a meaningful experience. And the whole point of what we're doing is to create food that has meaning around what we're doing. So for instance, last night, it was really nice to be able to explain why I'm serving what I was serving. Yeah. You know, and I've picked 10 ingredients that have had some kind of influence on me yeah. in some way. And so for, like, talk to me about that. What, what, what were those ingredients? Okay, last night was anchovies. So I didn't like bash it to death so that everyone's just like, it's all too much. So we did katsu, veal katsu sandwiches. So crumbed veal, fluffy white bread, anchovy mayonnaise and watercress. Nice. Warm, delicious, clean. I did scallop tartlets, taramasalata, and um, uh, it was supposed to be wakame, but we actually t- turfed that and did samphire in the end because it was just a bit mm. different. We had some pickled samphire, so it was really yummy, um, and that, a little bit of anchovy oil. And then the entree, I did all raw winter vegetables with banya kauda, which means warm bath, and it's like extra virgin olive oil, black garlic, and anchovies all melted down into yeah. like a soupy thing and you just kind of dig all these we did heirloom carrots and we did little tiny baby kale balls and weird things but they taste delicious yeah that's that's amazing and then we did um fried piccolo fritto so fried herbs fried anchovies fried lemon wheels and it was just like this fried salty kind of thing yeah and then we did slow roasted lamb with anchovy crust and we did um pan fried barramundi with anchovy butter. Wow. And then we did... It's a lot of food. (laughs) It is, but it was small portions. I wanted to keep it so that they could just taste everything. And you don't want people walking out going with vomit. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. So... So I'm coming on Tuesday. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Are you... Is is it a surprise what the ingredient is? No, it's fish. Oh, good. Yeah, it's fish. And so we're doing... uh, We actually finished the menu today. So we're doing a few... I'll surprise you. I won't tell you. Because it's quite fun. Yeah. But it's sort of a similar vein. So we have a couple of canapes just so that everyone can have a, you know, glass of wine and just kind of relax. And then we'll do um, seated entree. And it's all shared. So I like shared because then you don't have to feel like something's put in front of you and you're just like, oh, yuck. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Do people do that? Well, everyone's got different tastes. It's true. You know, like one person's experience with food is completely different to someone that are eating the two exactly the same things and one of them might absolutely love it and mm. someone else will hate it. True, that is true. And where do you get your ideas? Because they all sound pretty... Um, like I haven't heard about all those things. They sound really delicious well, and interesting. It's, well, I suppose a lot of it came from Sky when, when we, you know, like that kind of undertone. And then I have a lot of cookbooks. Mm. I also look at menus from overseas. Mm. New York, France... I've got a girl, my, my best friend lives in Paris, so she'll often email me and go, oh my God, check out this restaurant, it's unbelievable. Mm. And they're all, it's all very pared back, mm. and I love that. Okay, that's you know, when yeah. you get a piece of fish with just like the best, you know, aioli you've absolutely ever tasted, you just like, oh my God, and a lemon cheek. Like, mm. it, it doesn't all need that fluff. No, that's right. And I hate right. fluff, I hate gimmicks, I hate all of that stuff that's sort of themey. Yeah. So even though I'm doing 10 themed dinners... <laughs> but it's not themed in no, a way, no. you know. I try right. to keep it a bit different in that way. And what are some other ingredients that you've enjoyed along the way that you're using? Lemons. Yeah. Olive oil. Uh, what else are we doing? Fish, lemons, olive oil, shellfish. Really went hard on the fish. Uh, and then herbs is a big one. We'll do a great herb one. Mm. Red wine. 
which we thought would be fun. And because Port Phillip Estate is sponsoring, it, um, Marco, who owns Port Phillip Estate, will come and he's going to do a little spiel about the red wine and things like that. So that kind of makes it then something different. Yeah. It's nice to sort of, like, it do, I don't want to sit there and talk about myself the whole time. So it's nice to then put the focus on someone that I respect and love. And, yeah. You know, you can kind of... And who's coming fun. to the dinners apart from me on Tuesday? Well, it's different people. Chefs. Yeah. PR people. Um, journalists. So they're already all booked out or no? No. No. Well, yeah, yeah, it sort of depends on what they are. Um, Clients are coming. Yeah. Like really good clients that kind of new clients. So they really understand what we're doing here. Great idea. Yeah, it's fun. And then they can ask me questions as well, as opposed to, you know, a cocktail party where you kind of miss it. Yeah. So. It'd be a good book. Are you documenting it? Yes. Everything, everyone has a photographer and I've got the menus. Yeah. So yeah, it would make a good book actually. It'd be really cool. Didn't even think of that. Really nice to look through. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And look, the photos came up really well and I've got, you know, the venue's amazing. Yeah. So it's Cappy headquarters. Mm. So it's all like very family and... Beautiful. Well, it's yeah. nice that you sort of going back to you where you started as well. It is. It feels like the whole thing's come full circle and I think that's why I wanted to celebrate it a little bit and yeah. make it a bit sort of fun yeah yeah it's awesome thank you oh thank you that's awesome